You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, Today, we are closing out a series we started at the beginning of September. We've been going through for five weeks now through the book of James. And you might think, what is the book of James? Uh, The book of James is near the end of the New Testament. And it was a letter that a guy named James, of course, wrote to the early church. And uh, James is a really unique guy because not only was he a a church leader in the early church, he pastored the church in Jerusalem. Thank you, guys. But he also was the half-brother of Jesus. So that's kind of a neat thing. He had the same parents. Um, Of course, uh, if you know the story of Jesus, he was miraculously conceived, so uh, that's why he's a half-brother. But uh, he grew up with Jesus, so he saw Jesus in his everyday life, and he wrote this book, this letter that became a book of the Bible, uh, really sharing some of the foundational things and foundational parts of following Jesus. And uh, today, uh, as we close out this, I want to start off with something that's uh, really important, very important. I get to get help with this, I'll just be honest. Um, We have this fascination in our culture with superheroes. How many of you like superheroes? Just a few of you. Perfect. Hit that one on the head. Um, I, I'll be honest, as a kid, I never really got into comic books or superheroes. I didn't really like that. I was like obsessed with sports. I was the, guy, the kid that I would wake up in the morning uh, in the summer and I would watch Sports Center from like 9 a.m. till noon, knowing it was the exact same thing over and over again. They basically ran it, they just repeated it for like three, four hours. And I loved it. I loved sports. I wasn't big into comic books, superheroes. But as I became an adult, I've started to enjoy some of the newer superhero movies like, like X-Men, the new X-Men movies, or the new Batman movies, even though I know I've been informed Batman isn't a real superhero because he doesn't have superpowers. But either way, we'll lump it in together. Uh, and whether it's X-Men, Avengers, uh, some other group, superhero movies have become the go-to uh, way for a box office hit today. We see... Uh, Superhero movies being redone over and over again. They're guaranteed uh, box office hits. And this has got me thinking, what is it about superheroes that have become so fascinating in our culture? Well, while they definitely are cool, uh, in today's Batman, you have to be honest, today's Batman looks way better than the Batman when I grew up. Do we have a picture of that? You know the Batman when I grew up, Adam West? Today's Batman looks so much better, more fierce, doesn't he? Um, what is it about superheroes that has become so fascinating. I believe it's because in an increasingly complex world where it's become more and more difficult to find simple solutions, sometimes it's refreshing to escape our difficult reality and get lost in a movie where the good guys actually win, where they actually do conquer evil. Now, as a side note, can I ask this question? With all the superhero movies being redone, can we please bring back uh, one of our favorites, Quail Man? Can we... I mean, this... We could start a petition for this. If we could start a petition, that would be awesome, and I'm sure it would be a really epic movie. Now, superheroes are so great because they have these superpowers or super abilities, Um, and and this allows them to overcome even the most impossible situation. Whether it's Superman or Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel or someone else, there's something cool about watching them use their superhuman skills to overcome insurmountable odds. Wouldn't it be cool if your workplace, your school had like bring a superhero to work day or bring a superhero day? Like you're, you're facing this project that you've been given an impossible timeline, uh, a very impossible budget, 
and you're like, how am I going to do this? And all of a sudden the flash shows up and it gets done just like that. Wouldn't that be awesome? No? Maybe not. Sounds unrealistic, but it'd be cool. Real quick, I want you to ask your neighbor, if you could bring a superhero with you to work or to school, who would you bring? Just real quick. Ask your neighbor that. Do we get any quail man? (laughs) Captain Kangaroo? You know who you are? Now, now, this idea of superheroes isn't really a modern concept. We, we think of it as a modern concept. Like, we think of it as, oh, this is something that's happened maybe in the last 10 years, or the last 50 years. But, but it's bigger than that. Superheroes of some sort have actually existed in human culture for thousands of years. In the first century, superheroes didn't wear uh, capes or tights, maybe, like we've seen. But, but the heroes of that culture existed as Greek gods. In the first century, superheroes were, were, were part of the, this, this mythology. The, the Justice League of Sorts of Greek mythology was the Greek pantheon, which consisted of 12 different gods that were part of Greek mythology. You had gods like Zeus, who was really the god of the gods. He was the, the, the god of the sky. Or, or you had Poseidon, the god of the seas. Or, or, or you had... Uh, uh, our, our Artemis, our, the, the goddess of the, of the hunt, of the wilderness, or Ares, the god of war, or, or, or even had uh, Athena, the goddess of wisdom and war. Uh, and, and all of these gods really were like the superheroes, so to speak, of the day. And how this worked was, if you wanted something from one aspect of life, because the, the, the Greek gods covered every aspect of, of life. If you wanted something from one of the Greek gods, you would go and offer a sacrifice, trying to appease that God. It was really a, an exercise of like circular influence. You would do for the God what you think they wanted so that they would feel like they're powerful so that you could ultimately get what you wanted. Sounds kind of crazy, but that's how it worked. Uh, and, and you wanted to influence them to ultimately feel like they're influencing you. And, and into that kind of culture where, where maybe if you wanted something like from the sea, you wanted to get a good catch of fish, you would go offer a sacrifice to Poseidon with the hopes that Poseidon would side with you and give you a good catch of fish, and then you would get a catch of fish. And it was like this circular uh, influence. And into that kind of culture where you were constantly in the first century trying to appease the gods, all these quote-unquote superhero thing, figures, into that kind of culture came this really outrageous concept. There was this guy that came and started to do supernatural things himself. He, he wasn't a mythical being or object of, of historical fantasy, but people watched him in real life as he reached out, touched those with leprosy, those who were sick, those who were lame, those who were blind, and they would be made well. He even raised people from the dead, and he was a real-life, flesh-and-blood Greek god. He even claimed to, that he was God. He was... Uh, made a unique distinction though. He, he mentioned that he wasn't a God, but he was actually the God. And in Jerusalem, which was predominantly Jewish in its population, the, the idea of a monotheistic belief system was very common. Monotheistic meaning like there's one God. But, but in Greek and Roman culture, this was very foreign. I would argue that even in today's culture in America, it would, it would align more with the Greek and Roman uh, mindset where, where it's a pantheology, where, where you have uh, lots of gods. Like whatever God works for you works. That's cool. And this was a very unique idea that, that he was saying, I am the God, that there was one God. And, and no one could argue with this guy because of the miracles he would do. 
He couldn't argue against the physical miracles, impossible things this guy whose name was Jesus would do. But they'd never heard a concept that there was only one God. And, and then one, je- one day, Jesus disappears. He, he ascends to heaven right before his followers. Before he does this, he, he, he tells his followers or those he called his disciples that, that they could have the same power he had. Now, this was a new one. This was a new idea. See, uh, superheroes or Greek gods are built around this one concept. They have power that no one else has or can have. That's really what makes them super, right? That's what sets them apart. That's what makes them special. If everyone could be faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, or, or leap tall buildings with one bound, it wouldn't really be super. It, it's kind of normal, but, but this idea that everyone could access the same power as this guy named Jesus was a pretty crazy, outrageous concept. But, but if you think about it more and more, it's actually pretty amazing. It's pretty cool that, that Jesus wasn't sitting off and saying, I have this power and I'm the beginning and end and, and, and you can't have it. But he was saying, I want to give it to you. In fact, in, in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 12, This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. And it was this statement that Jesus made and and the, the actions that his disciples did to back it up that would revolutionize the world. Not just in the first century, 2,000 years later. It's still revolutionizing the world. And as James, this half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, would write out a letter sharing these core concepts of what it means to follow Jesus, he shares about this incredible power that followers of Jesus should have access to. And it's found in James, James' letter, James chapter 5. Here's what it says. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. What what James is really saying here is that the power that exists in prayer isn't relegated to some superhero people. Like some segment. It's available to everyone. We don't simply call in the Jesus Avengers to come and heal us. To transform us. To save the day. All we need to do is turn our faces toward heaven. And we can invite the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the living God into our circumstances. Into our situation. It's not like getting to the right person. You know, I've heard people growing up in this area, like you have to call on the pastor or the priest, and, and if you can call them in, then, then everything's going to be okay. But here's the reality. We all have access to the same power if we're willing to exercise it. And here's a simple thought, simple idea that I want to share with you guys today. It's that, that prayer invites God's power into our problems. That's what it does. I know it sounds almost too simple, but prayer just invites God's power into our problems. Maybe you've seen people on TV that claim to have special healing power. They can heal the sick, and they say, hey, send your seed offering in, and you can be healed too, or whatever it may be. I want to tell you that that's not true. That's not accurate. There there isn't some segment of people or group of people or or a certain person has a title that, that, that has access to the power of God in any other way that you can't. Uh, Just because I carry the title of a pastor doesn't mean I have different access to power. We all have the ability to invite the power of God into our situation through prayer. 
In, in fact, as a pastor, and any of our pastors on our staff here are the same way, our job isn't even to do ministry, it's to equip everyone to do ministry. We're here to, not ex- to do ministry, we're here to facilitate ministry. That's what the Bible says. We want to empower, equip you to step out in ministry. My hope, my hope for us as a church isn't that we have some of the best pastors in the world, which I think we do, but my hope is that you could see the power of God exercised in your life, not on Sunday, but Monday through Friday. That, that when you walk into your workplace or your school, when you, when you step into the grocery store, that the power of God is right there with you. You know, I, I had someone tell me this one time, and I think it's such a powerful statement, that so often we want to see the presence of God move in different places. Man, I wish the presence of God was in my school. I wish the presence of God was in, in my workplace. Or I wish the presence of God was in this place. But here's the reality. Wherever the people of God are, the presence of God are. Wherever the Wherever you walk, you carry the presence of God. The Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not, not this building. This is just a building. There's nothing special about this building. It's made with brick and mortar uh, and big beams. That, that's it. Like there's nothing remarkably special about it. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God doesn't dwell in a physical building. It dwells in you. And wherever you walk, the presence of God goes. The power of God goes. And, and James explains this. In, in James chapter 5, verse 17, he says, uh, speaking of, uh, of Elijah, he was a, a guy in the Old Testament, he says, Elijah was a human being. Can you say human being? Human being. Now say it like a human being. Let's go. Human being. There you go. There we go. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I think Elijah prayed last year that we would get rain here in Pittsburgh, because something crazy happened. Now, Elijah was just a man. He wasn't a god. He wasn't superhuman. He was a man, and he simply, as a human being, as any of us are, exercised the power of prayer that brought about God's supernatural work. It wasn't like Elijah was like something different. He was a human being who was surrendered to God. And that's what God wants for us. That, that we could see the power of prayer at work in our everyday lives. And, and in this passage in James 5, James gives us this simple example or approach to follow to see the power of God at work in our time of prayer, in our moments of prayer. Verse 14, here's where we're going to walk through this. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. See, there, there's, I love what uh, Pastor Jason said earlier, there's power in corporate prayer. When we're willing to invite people into our situation, that it's not just you praying for yourself for your situation. But, but what James is saying is call the elders of the church, bring people in, invite others to pray with you. When we just pray for ourselves, by ourselves, we're missing out on something important. Prayer is a team sport. Prayer is is an opportunity to invite others in. It's not something we should just do by ourselves. When we pray together, we are encouraged by one another. We strengthen each other's faith. We're able to stand together. There's something remarkable that happens when we can gather together and pray for each other, not just pray for ourselves. Yes, I think it's important for you to have time of prayer by yourself, maybe in in your bedroom or in your car, but we also need corporate prayer. We need opportunities to invite others. Maybe it's your life group. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you come in on a Wednesday night to your life group and you're like, guys, this has just been a tough week. Could you just pray for me? 
what an incredible opportunity it is for that group to gather around you and to pray for you. Or, or maybe, maybe it's just a group of friends that you have that you know that you can lean on, that you can trust. It's an opportunity to say, man, I, I need to, to, to just share this with you. Could you just pray with me? Would you just join, agree with me for this situation, this circumstance? Uh, it's important to invite others in to pray. He, he, that's what James is talking about here in verse 14. And he goes on, he says, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we don't, we don't like carry big vats of oil around. Uh, one, it's really expensive. I mean, just look at the gas prices. Uh, we're in Pennsylvania. You know, the oil tax is really high. And um, that was just a joke. Sorry. Um, but in, the, in, in, in oil, he was using this idea of oil. He was using it metaphorically. See, in the Old Testament, there was this practice of anointing with oil. Uh, and, and, and the idea of anointing with oil was really a practice of consecration, of purification, Jacob, uh, in the Old Testament, anointed his memorial pillar at Bethel with oil, and he sanctified it as the house of the Lord. Or, or the practice of anointing kings uh, with oil was very common in Israel's history. Uh, as they did this, they were consecrating those men for the office as king. They were purifying them. They would cover them in oil. The same idea was present in the consecration of the tabernacle, and, and especially for those stepping into priesthood. This idea that James mentions of anointing them with oil takes this Old Testament concept and brings it into the early church. And, and he wasn't necessarily saying that you should have physical oil, but, but that there should be a, a, a purification. That, that when you're walking in prayer, yes, you're doing it collectively, but that you are purified. Not that you're perfect, because none of us are perfect, but that your heart is in the right place. That you're purified. So you have this thing about community. We need to invite others in. The other is, is that we're purified, that we're consecrated before God. And he finishes out in verse 15, kind of sums this all up. He says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. This verse really kind of is a compilation of the whole thing. It's not your faith that will bring about healing or wholeness to a person, but it's your faith combined with God's power in God's timing that brings about the miraculous work of God. God works through your faith. That, that when we are plugged into God's power, he works through your faith. It, it's not like there's one person that has access to that faith or that power and then others don't. Like it's exclusive. That's not the case. This is what Jesus said in John 14. That you can do even greater things than these. See, Jesus wasn't a superhero. He wasn't some Greek God. He was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. And he embodied the heart and love of God. What is God's love? God loved the world so that he gave. And he has now given that power to us. We get to continue what he started. We get to continue. And, and as, as Uncle Ben said to Peter Parker, otherwise known as Spider-Man, with great power comes what? Great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. This power that we have access to through prayer is meant to be exercised. It's meant to be put into practice. Like God doesn't give you power simply for your benefit. It's for the world around you. God wants to empower you. He's giving you access through prayer that you can literally invite the power of God into a circumstance, into a moment as a follower of Jesus. You have that ability. You don't have to call in a priest or a pastor to come, you know, pray some prayer blessing over it or whatever. Like, you literally, as a person, as a follower of Jesus, have access to that. But you need to exercise it. 
So often we, we live our lives void of that power because we never exercise it. And, and here's a few questions I want to ask you as the worship team comes today. Is, is, is prayer a normal part of your life? Is prayer a normal part of your life? Why I ask that question is oftentimes prayer is like the last resort. You know the moment where everything has fallen apart and your prayer is like, oh God, oh God, what now? What else? What if, what if prayer was just a regular part of your life? And, and, and you might think, well, how does that even happen? You have a lot of things that are a regular part of your life that you don't even think about anymore, right? I'm guessing, I hope not, like things like getting uh, bathed every day, every day, stress that one for teenagers in the room, um, or brushing your teeth, eating. Like these are regular things that you do. I'm saying, is prayer a regular part of your life? Is it something that you don't just go to? You're like, okay, God, I want to invite your power into my life because I'm overwhelmed right now. But is it a regular part of your life where you're, you're developing, fostering that relationship with God? You know, we talked about this in my life group this week, that, that when you have that ongoing relationship with God, you learn to hear his voice, so you trust his voice because you know his voice. Are, are you on a regular basis in prayer? And all prayer is is a conversation with God. Are you talking to God? Inviting him into your situation, even in the good moments. It's not just like the horrible moments, the difficult moments. Are you, are you talking to God on a regular basis? If not, figure out a rhythm in your life. Try to make time for prayer, for, for, for just talking to God, having a conversation with God, saying, God, I want to invite you to my life today. One of the best ways I always feel is in the morning, but, but in the evening at your lunch break, inviting God, having a conversation, not just talking to him, but also listening. We can listen through his word and sometimes the things he prompts us in our heart. Have a conversation with God. Is prayer a regular part of your life? The second question I want to ask you, is prayer a part of your troubleshooting process? Let me explain. When things are confusing, seem impossible or difficult, are you willing to invite God into the mess? You know, I've found so many times where I'm, I'm, I'm completely confused. I'm like out of ideas I've tried everything. Maybe you've been there. You're like, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know what to do about my, my job situation. I don't want to do about my kids. I don't know what to do about my relationship. I don't, I don't want to do about my finances. I, I'm totally lost. I don't, I've asked all the people I know. I can't maybe afford an expert or I don't want to go to an expert or whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now. I've exhausted all possibilities, all resources. I don't know what to do. Have you ever thought to stop quiet yourself and ask God. And, and I'm not saying like, like God's this answer man where you just like, God, what, what do I do here? Just, just tell me. Come on, I, I have like 30 seconds, God. W- right now. But I'm saying take some time to just worship, to pray, to seek his heart, to maybe listen to what he speaks to you. Can I tell you, I'll tell you my own life, God has spoken more answers, brought more revelation in those moments than in a thousand books I've read. God wants to be part of that troubleshooting process. He wants to be invited into that mess because I can guarantee you he's got solutions that you're not even thinking about. Do do you turn ultimately to the one with the answers? Are are you willing to welcome the remarkable power of God into your overwhelming circumstances? Next week, we're going to build on this a little bit more as we start a new series called Holy Roar. uh, but, But if it's time, I believe, 
as followers of Jesus, that we stop walking around as if we're powerless, as if we're incapable or lack what we need. Because ultimately, God is all that we need already. We, we as followers of Jesus aren't meant to walk around like we're, we, we don't have what it takes. We're defeated. We can't go on. We, don't, we, have, we have nowhere to go. Like, God is all that we need. This is what James was trying to say in James chapter 5. He said this, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person while the Lord will raise them up. This is what God is wanting to do in our situation. If you're willing to invite him. My hope for us is that wherever we go, wherever we walk, wherever we work or go to school, that we could carry the power of God with us through prayer. You might be in a a really important meeting at work. And, and you're like, man, I don't know what to do right now. Man, my, my, my coworkers, we're on this team. We're trying to conquer this problem or solve this issue. We don't know what to do. We're kind of an impasse. Would you just take a moment? You don't have to make like a big scene, like stand up on the conference table and say, guys, thus saith the Lord, we're going to pray right here. Because you might, you know, might not be working there much longer. But um, could you just quietly just say, Holy Spirit, would you just bring answers, reveal your will. Reveal solutions right now. You know what? Don't be surprised if God does that. It's asking and inviting God into our situation. The power of prayer isn't for some group of people. It's accessible to us all if we're willing to exercise it. And, and today, there's, there's two prayers that I want us to pray. The second prayer we'll get to in a minute is if you're, if you're needing prayer today, you're like, man, I just need a miracle in my life. In a, in a few moments, we're gonna have our prayer leaders come up here and they're gonna, they're gonna pray with you, agree with you in prayer. We talked about what James said, call the elders of the church to lay hands on you to pray the prayer of faith. We're gonna practice that. We'll even have opportunity, maybe if you're like, man, I, I just wanna stay here in my seat, you can get a group of people, maybe friends that you're with and say, let's gather together and pray together. What, whatever that might look like for you. That's the second one we're gonna get to. First one though, I think is the most important prayer that anyone, any human being can pray. It's the prayer to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you and I commit to live for your purpose, accept your forgiveness. That's how the journey begins. That's how it all starts. Willing to recognize our need for God and for a savior and our commitment to follow him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your power. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, that there is no mistake that any of us could make that you can't forgive. Lord, that there is no uh, state that we have found ourselves in, Lord, that is beyond redemption from you. God, we thank you that, that, that one prayer takes one step toward you, Jesus, and you can transform us, heal us, and restore us. As you're praying today, if you'd say, Nick, I've never taken that step to, to, to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, I, I want to experience his forgiveness, his redemption in my life over my past and present. And I want to commit to live for his purpose, his plan. If you've never taken that step today, I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer. In a minute, I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you just to reach your hand toward heaven. It's a physical act of your will to say, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to pray that prayer. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to to accept his forgiveness, to to live for his purpose. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna ask you to reach your hand toward heaven on one, two, three. Would you reach your hand toward heaven today? Amen. Anyone else today? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna ask everyone to pray this prayer with me together. 
whether you raised your hand or not. As I mentioned earlier, prayer isn't anything super spiritual or magical. It's just a conversation with God. And I want to lead you in that conversation. Maybe this is the first time you've ever had a conversation with God. You've ever prayed. My hope is this is the first of many times, though, that you talk to God. Would you all pray this prayer with me together? Dear God, Dear God thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness. I accept that forgiveness now. I, accept that forgiveness now. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 